So, hi, Daniel. Um, I'm very happy to welcome you to this podcast. I've been a fan of your work for a long time. You've been featured in uh, two of our issues of AYA, um, and you are based in, um, in California, in Santa Barbara, um, and you're known as Dan Village after the California town where you were born. Um, and you do these amazingly colorful, detailed, character-led illustrations. Uh, so welcome. Thank you. It's such a pleasure to be able to speak with you. And uh, I'm such a big fan of Aya as well. And being a part of those issues has been a big highlight in my career. So thank you for having me on today. So Dan, can, I'm interested in your, in your career journey. I read a bit about it in one of your interviews um, and how you started off studying history. And then afterwards you did, um, you did a, co a degree in, in um, design and graphic design, in communication design and graphic design. Um, and you actually started off as a writer um, for Smallville. Uh, and then, yeah, you were doing illustration and, and um, I think on the side and eventually you realized that you could make a career out of that, which you've done. Um, so can you, so I've kind of summed it up here, but can you just tell us a bit about, <laughs> about that journey from, you know, to becoming a, a full-time freelance illustrator? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I was always an, an artist as a kid. I was the kid in, in class that anytime you know, the, a, a class project was happening and they needed something drawn, they'd say, go get Dan, he, he'll draw it. Um, so I always knew that that art was, was something I loved to do. I loved to uh, doodle on the side of every page and create kind of my own little universe. Uh, but I never really thought of it as something that I could do as my, my life journey. Um, my, my father owned an art gallery, which is the ironic part. And you know, he just would always tell me, like, I don't think you should be an artist. It's a very hard life because uh, he didn't know that there were so many different ways of being an artist. He only saw, you know, the traditional fine art world. And so for me, he didn't understand that there was, you know, all these different avenues that could be pursued. So when I graduated college and I moved to Los Angeles, I knew I was a creative person. And I knew I needed to explore all the creative worlds to figure out where exactly I fit. And I started out, right, like you said, in the screenwriting world, because I, I love to write as well. And uh, I had a writing partner and the two of us just really pursued the writing thing and, and thought, you know, could we do this? Could this be a living? And um, we did it for a long time and I really enjoyed it. But I was always still drawing and exploring different creative avenues and my writing partner one day said to me, you know, you're always drawing and watching cartoons. Shouldn't we maybe make one of those? <laughs> and I thought that makes absolutely perfect sense. I, I was the kid that grew up on Saturday morning cartoons. And, you know, what more would I want to do than to combine storytelling uh, with, with the artwork that I was doing and create my own worlds and, and, bring it to the next generation. So for me, that's always been the main goal and the big dream for me. And I try to translate that into my work with everything I do um, even now. Um, but after, yeah, doing a lot of different creative paths, um, I started to do art, the illustration on the side and started to get more and more freelance gigs and started to realize just how happy I was when I was just drawing all the time. Um, and. So once I joined Illustration X as my agency, I decided to, you know, quit kind of full-time jobs and make this 
my career. And it's been the best thing that I've, I could have ever followed my heart and done. So, so happy I've done that. Yeah, um, that's amazing. So when you decided to do that, was was um, having that agency a, a key, uh, like a safety net for you? Was that a key part of that decision? Yeah, I, at the time I was working at Red Bull actually as a creative director and working on their cartoons, um, which was a really fun job as well. And I really enjoyed it. And my wife and I, uh, we lived in Los Angeles and uh, we always, we actually had met in Santa Barbara and had always hoped and dreamed of maybe moving back here one day. And I think after our son was born and she was able to get a job at UC Santa Barbara, we were very excited to move out here. But once that happened, um, I wasn't sure what I would do for work because I wasn't going to be able to continue working from for Red Bull from there. Because the funny thing is before COVID, the people just didn't do the remote thing, it just, it wasn't really allowed like it is now, um, which is, it's kind of funny because now I obviously could have done that job from here. Um, but, you know, once I, the, I got the agency and I moved, we moved here, I thought, you know, this is going to be the perfect thing to give me the time to be with my son and to be creative and to do what I love doing and, and try to combine all of that together. So I took a big leap and you know, I wasn't sure how it would turn out, but I'm, I'm just pleased I've, I've followed my heart on this one. And, you know, I just, I'm thankful and have a lot of gratitude. I get to do it every day. So does a lot of your work come through the agency or, or do you still have to, to do that part of it? Do they, do they handle the business side of things for you or do you still have to be a business person as well? You do still have to be a business person. I think any freelance career, whether it's illustration or anything else, you have to hustle and you have to put in that, that work and build those relationships um, with as many different you know, people who hire illustrators or people who work in that world as you can. Um, yes, every now and then my agency has a perfect gig lined up for me, but if I waited around for them to send me those gigs, you know, it, I, I wouldn't have the kind of career I do now. Um, I put in a lot of work on the business side of it because I also enjoy meeting people and building those relationships. So for me, it's it's almost a little bit natural. And maybe that's just because I worked in entertainment as a screenwriter for a long time. And, and that's you have to do that in that world as well. Um, but I, I've enjoyed that. I've enjoyed getting to know art directors and I've enjoyed the collaboration process with them and, and uh, working together with them to do different kinds of projects. So I think there's a lot to be said for doing it yourself and and, mm -hmm. You know, the agency has been fantastic as far as um, they help with all of the business side of things. And, and that is super helpful. And, and for anyone out there who's looking to get an agent, that would be one of the big selling points for me would just be that they help handle contracts. They help with your usage rights, things that are just really important as an illustrator, if you don't know yourself. Um, but if you are trying to get an agent just because you think they're going to get you all the work, that's, that's really not how it works for any agency. Um, so I don't want to burst anyone's bubble, but agents yeah. help a lot in so many ways. And, but in the same time, you have to put in that, that effort and that work yourself too. Got it. Yeah. Well Dan, let's, let's start talking about some of your work. Um, yeah. So let's, um, I like this, um, beautiful, um, happy bubble city that you did for D prints in China. 
So yeah. I'm really fascinated by the fact you get commissioned out of China. How how did yeah. they find you? And um, tell us tell us about how you you tackle this project. I don't know if you've been to China before or. I have not, but I am so um, influenced by so many different parts of Asian culture, not just China, but other regions um, as well. And so for me, there, there's been a lot of influence there that, and I've always felt like my work um, lends itself really well to, to their aesthetic, things that, that, they, that is loved over there, like bright colors and cute and happy and fun characters that are positive and, and um, energetic and diverse. Um, so I've always wanted to work in that market and I hope I get to do more of it. And to be honest with you, I'm not really even sure how they came across my work. Um, I want to say it was through some kind of social media, whether it was Instagram or somewhere else where my, my work was able to be seen visually. Um, so that was, it's always kind of fun when you get an email from someone that lives uh, in a far off place, even just like you guys out in Singapore. I was so excited when I heard from you. Um, so those kind of emails are really exciting because it's like, wow, I'm reaching somehow someone on the other side of the world is seeing my work. Um, but yeah, it was really cool to hear from them. And they told me about this exhibition that they were putting together um, that had a theme to it. And they wanted to just let me do my thing um, and be, you know, unapologetically me, um, which are my favorite projects when there really isn't a whole lot of direction. It's really just like, here's the theme, just go and do you. And I think when I get that opportunity, I'm able to really explore the combination of things that I love to draw the most, which is a lot of isometric worlds that I like to place as my backgrounds that are filled with bright colors and then just fill the space um, with tons and tons of silly, wacky characters um, that are diverse and positive. Um, I heard this saying recently, someone in another podcast had mentioned uh, a term I had never heard before, but I realized that it is exactly basically what I do and it's called horror vacue. And it means the fear of having any empty space. <laughs> and so I think that that's kind of what my art seems to be is I fill a lot of a space. Because <laughs> um, I want people to stare at it for a long time. I want them to find new things, almost like a Where's Waldo in that sense and have a lot of wonder to it. Um, so that's the fun of it. It really does that. I mean, um, you know, I've been looking at it this whole time we've been talking and um, zooming in on on details. Um, I think it's it's so wonderful to be looked at on a device as well as I'm sure printed in an exhibition. Um, so can you like draw our attention to one or two of the small, small details and tell us where maybe something quirky or something funny where the idea came from? Sure. Yeah. You know, I. I have a lot of different passions that I, I like to hide into my work. Um, one of them, I'm, I'm a big soccer guy and, 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 I, and I don't know who, who's listening out there who's gonna be like, oh no, he's, he's a Tottenham Hotspur fan. <laughs> but I am, because um, I lived in England for, for a year and um, became a really big fan. And so I hid uh, one of the players uh, in there, if you'll see scoring a goal and even though I didn't directly 
you know, make the logo or anything like that. It is obviously very much looking like a little bit like a Tottenham Hotspur jersey. <laughs> so, you know, little things like that. I like to hide things in, in my work that are things that I care about and have fun with. Um, also, the you'll see a couple little uh, bow are like my favorite food in the world. Mm-hmm. Um, I grew up near San Francisco and my dad used to take me um, into Chinatown to get dim sum when I was a little boy. And we used to go to a place that was actually the first dim sum restaurant in all of San Francisco. It had been open since like 1908 or, or some really crazy history to it. And it was hidden behind like a Chinese schoolyard. It was, it was not a place that everyone knew about. And so I really always had this like imagination as a kid of these bow kind of like battling <laughs> with, with chopsticks and everything else. Um, and so that was something that I, I hid in there as well, um, just like a little story from my own childhood. Um, it's amazing. And it's amazing the way you managed to make all the little scenes sort of connect in some way or another. How long does something like this take you? You know, you would think, it, 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 I think a lot of people think that it, it probably takes me a long time. And I, I don't want to say that it takes me a super short time either, because then art directors are like, oh, he can whip that that out in like three days. Um, but no, sometimes when the inspiration it, it strikes and you are really feeling it or you see it in your head sometimes, mm-hmm. almost first, which with this one, I actually did. Um, you know, I actually was able to to complete this within a week of from sketch to, to final ink. Um, it's not always that fast, mm-hmm. um, but sometimes I think, and I think other illustrators will, will know what I'm talking about, but sometimes the idea just kind of comes to you almost, it's almost amazing how it, it's almost like a divine experience sometimes where you just say, ah, I know what I'm gonna do. I know exactly how this is gonna go. And then you just go and do it. Um, and that this was one of those. It doesn't always work out that way. And, you know, sometimes I have to like try out a lot of different concepts for certain pieces and some of the others we talk about, I might be that way, but this one was, was luckily one where it just felt right. Got it. Well, um, amazing. So thank you for that. It was, it was really lovely to hear that from your perspective. So let's move on to another one. This is, this is really interesting. It's your um, Washington Post um, coin shortage editorial. So I'm fascinated about how this came about. Yeah. So this one, you know, the the art director reached out to me um, with this article uh, about how during the pandemic there has been a coin shortage, um, which was a very interesting article. And they they kind of had a little bit of direction for it, which was that they did want to see the coins as characters. Mm. Um, and they wanted to see them, you know, in some form of, of not getting out and playing um, like, you know, credit cards were and other things. So the initial concept, I was going to have all the different kinds of money outside the window having a good time playing and and everything but um it seemed to be too busy when i when i presented that concept there was just too much going on so then we wanted to to bring in the focus just onto the coins that were stuck inside not getting to go out and be spent and used um which is you know i think a lot of people experienced during covid um you know a lot of us were buying things online whether it was through amazon or other things we weren't going to stores as much as we used to, and we weren't using coins <laughs> for, for really anything. Um, 
So I, that that's where it came about. And, and so I really had fun just creating this scene of like lazy coins lazing about. And um, I think one of the fun things with this one for me was I, I tried a different color scheme um, than my usual color palette. I, I played a little bit more um, with the lighting and I found that to be new and fun um, for me. Uh, so that that was really a, a good experience with this one. Um, I, so what role does the art director, did that art director play? Um, and is it someone you knew previously? And um, is it a, a, a sort of, a, do you kind of bounce off each other or how, how does that work? Yeah. I mean, I think it's different with each one. Um, this was with Claire Ramirez um, at the Washington Post. She's amazing. I've worked with her now like three times. Uh, and every time she just has such great energy, always picks projects where she feels like my art fits exactly what's going on. And I appreciate that so much because sometimes art directors will give me an assignment and I think to myself, this, what they want me to illustrate just doesn't really fit my style. And there's so many other illustrators out there who could do this way more justice than I will. Um, so it's great when they can see when they see what I'm all about and really find something that fits um, me. And, and so she's really good at that. She's done that with me a few times. And each time it's been the same experience. And with her, she kind of sends me out her initial thoughts of like what she's looking for. And then she really just lets me kind of have fun with it. And I'll send in some sketches and drafts. And she'll kind of guide, we bounce off each other a bit and she'll say, you know, this, this is really working and, you know, maybe you can work on this side of it. Um, and then we kind of settle in on the, the sketch and then I go into the ink and color phase. And then it's usually once I'm in that zone, you know, that's kind of the finished product. So, um, but yeah, it's always a great experience. I, I, I've worked with the Washington Post a, a bunch of times now and they are some of the most brilliant creative art directors I've worked with overall yeah. they're just all so great i love the way that um that they got you in on this because it really makes you want to read the article so oh, yeah i mean it's it's really uh it's a curious title anyway and then to and then it actually you actually get quite a lot out of your image you really kind of understand what's happening and yeah. it makes you want to read it which uh, i think is a great great example of illustration in editorial so and it's fun to do editorial work because you know it's so quick um, it's so fast paced. The, there's yeah. always, the deadlines are always super short, uh, but at the same time, then you get to see your art in print in mm -hmm. a very short period of time too. And there's something very exciting about that. Um, I give props to all the people who are full-time editorial illustrators, because that is a very stressful job because you always have deadlines that are just like, they need everything yesterday. Uh, so, so good on them for, for, for being able to keep that up. I don't do editorial illustration as every project, mm. um, which I'm actually thankful for because I like to do different kinds of projects. Um, so it's nice every now and then when I get that editorial illustration, it's really fun, but I wouldn't want to do them all the time. <laughs> Got it. Yeah. So speaking of editorial, there's another piece that you did for um, for Family Life magazine, a Santa Barbara Family Life magazine, and this is just so cute. They interviewed you, and they you did your your. I, I don't know if that's a self portrait. I'm guessing it is for yeah. the cover. That is just um, so amazing. So tell okay. tell us about that. Yeah, that was a really fun project. They reached out to me and and said that they had heard that you know there was this illustrator living here in Santa Barbara that that they hadn't spoken to before. And, and they thought it would be really fun to just showcase my work and, and get it out to 
um, everyone in town here. Santa Barbara is a very small community. And it's something that I treasure and love about living here. Um, having two small children too, um, for this to be a family magazine, a parent and family magazine was really special because I'm known really in this community as a dad to so many people. Um, they, they know my kids and all the, the programs that they're involved in. So, you know, it's always really special to, to do something like that in a small town because people actually see it and say to you, oh, I saw you in that magazine. Whereas like when I lived in Los Angeles, if that happened, you know, it just, it kind of, you get lost in the shuffle. But, um, but here it was quite special and uh, it was nice to, for them to profile my work. And they asked me to just do um, something fun on the cover that shows me and what it's like inside my brain, basically. So I drew a lot of silly characters and very bright colors to showcase kind of my creative world that, that I got going on. And yet you look very zen um, and relaxed as well, which I think, um, you know, so when I was reading some of, there's some really valuable, uh, interesting articles on your, on your website about how you, you structure your day for for creative yeah. to be creative and and I thought that was so interesting and I kind of I feel like you're a very uh, zen kind of creative person <laughs> yeah I do I mean meditation is a big part of of my life now especially when you have two young children as you know having having kids yourself um, and how crazy and wild it can be at times and you feel like you can't really breathe or have a moment to yourself. So, you know, I do very short meditation, um, try to do it daily. It's something that just really helps clear my mind and, and give me the space to be creative again. Um, and, you know, I, I, I kind of like took on the energy of this town that I live in, which is Santa Barbara. It's a beachy town and beach communities. We kind of have this vibe of like, almost the same way of a, as an island life, you know, which is just very zen and relaxed and try to enjoy every day and, and enjoy the weather and be outside as much as you can and all those kind of things. So yes, it's, it's definitely ingrained in me and I actually try to translate it into the work when I can. Yeah, um, amazing. It makes me want to go to Santa Barbara. Yes, um, come visit. <laughs> I really want to talk to you about your beer labels. So yes, you you yes. have somewhat of a speciality doing beer labels, which is which is amazing because when I see your beer labels, I just think, wow, I want to drink that beer. Um, so so um, tell us a bit about that. What is it about beer companies that make make them so forward thinking as to as to work with illustrators? Um, and yeah. Talk to us yeah. a bit about I mean, this for me is was like the ultimate passion collision. Um, I was I was already a pretty big beer nerd, um, and I really like to try all the different kinds of beers that are coming out. And you know, the beer industry has changed so much over the last ten years. Where now these people are like alchemists; they're able to create beers with the most wacky ingredients in them. And every week these breweries are putting out these new, very special creations. And they're as creative, you know, as the artwork that's going on to the labels. So I think it's a it fits hand in glove that the labels should be fun and as clever and um, interesting as the beers themselves. And a lot of these breweries are coming up with really fun names for the beers. And the second you hear the names, you just think, oh, I want, I want to illustrate that. Um, and, and that's kind of how it's, it's gotten started for me, 
um, when I started to see a lot of these breweries putting out such fun labels, I thought this is such a perfect place for my art to live. Um, and I've been lucky enough that for some of the breweries, like uh, one of them, the one that you've been uh, talking about here, which is the San Francisco Brewing Company, they have, they've, I'm basically do, I do all their labels. And it's been really fun, not just to do one label for them, but to really create like an entire series and to create an energy around that brewery where I get to combine, I grew up near San Francisco. So for me to combine like my hometown and the vibe of the city I grew up in with all of the characters that I do, it's really like the perfect marriage for me um, to do those kind of labels. And now we're really having fun with them because on if you go to their website, you'll see they're doing, they're taking my labels and they're, we're animating them now, we're making them come to life. Um, and we're really having a lot of fun with the artwork side of it too. So it can Amazing. be Amazing. Because when, when I would have thought beer labels, I would have thought um, a lot of constraints, but it seems like these, these new brewing companies, they just go all out. Yeah. I mean, apart from the, the product details that are tiny, it, they essentially their beer can is like little works of art. Yeah, I think that really helps um, with the product sales too. I mean, I've heard from so many people that I know that, you know, a lot of reasons they buy not just beer, but other things as well, wine, other, other products is a lot of it is based on the label and you can't help but think, you know, that that's a thing that you see on the wall and you think, you know, not only would I want to drink this, but I might actually want to keep this and actually mm -hmm. display it even. Um, I have um, actually, oh, it's not in this room, that, <laughs> but I have in my other art room, um, all the beer labels I've done on the wall. Um, because for me, that's, you know, that is to see your work, not just digital or in print, but to see it on a traveling can is really special. And sometimes when I see just on social media, somebody posting they're on vacation and they have my beer, you know, my beer label in their hand, I just help, I can't help but think like they're enjoying this beer and they're looking at the art at the same time. Yeah. That is a really neat experience um, for me as an illustrator and hopefully for them as the consumer, you know. Have you seen any other product categories uh, adopting illustration or approaching you for illustration? Um, do you mean just in general? Um, just other consumer markets that mm -hmm. are, you know, one of the weirder and cooler projects I've done this year is I got to design a pair of socks <laughs> that were then used as NFTs. Um, and the socks themselves were design a design of the history of Bitcoin and Ethereum and all the cryptocurrency stuff. Um, so that was a very unique experience. The, the socks came in and I designed the box that the socks came in. And then I designed stickers that went inside the box. So it was like this whole you know, package. And then people were able to buy them as an NFT and then also get the physical product as well. Um, so that, I mean, I think there's a lot of new and unique ways People are using illustration now. Um, so it's a really fun time. Definitely. Yeah. So to, to find the final piece um, is um, Isometric Mayhem, um, which is just um, amazingly detailed piece. So tell us a bit about this. Yeah, this was a personal project that I did. And, and I can't stress enough to illustrators out there 
to create personal projects, mm -hmm. to really showcase who you are as an artist and to use those to get the kind of work that you wanna do. If you wanna be writing, you wanna be illustrating children's books, then you should be you know, doing a personal project that showcases that you can do children's books or if it's beer labels, then create your own beer line that showcases beer labels. For me, Isometric Mayhem was a chance to showcase really my heart and soul of what I love to draw. And that's, like I said, these kind of isometric backgrounds um, that are filled with color. And then on top of those crazy backgrounds to fill them with a very diverse cast of characters and create a story around them that you can follow with your eye and see different things and think different things um, and really create a sense of wonder. And it's amazing how many times where I will get an art director reaching out with a brief and using, they will use that piece as the example mm -hmm. as to what they want me to be doing for the brief that they have presented me. So that, that's how I know that the personal project worked because I'm now getting that kind of work. So I get to draw the stuff that I love to draw because I've, that's the stuff I've shared with the world. Um, so I see sometimes I see artists like sharing work of stuff that they, they don't even really enjoy doing. They just want to show that they can do it. Mm -hmm. But then I have to warn them, like, you might get work that is that kind of work and you might not want to do it. So um, it's really important to draw the stuff that's, you know, going to make you happy. I try to think of it as like your art is like your, your poetry, really. And how would you want to, you know, share your poetry with the world? Mm -hmm. um, so the personal projects are really fun to do also because, you know, you get a chance to share the, your own personal poetry with the world a little bit. Can you uh, tell us something funny or a small detail on, on this piece? I mean, there's, there's so much, but... There is. I'm, do you have it in front of you? Yes. Yes. I'm, I've been looking at it the whole time, which I hope you, the listeners will do as well. hold it up for a second and I'll point something oh. out for you. Oh, there we go. Okay, perfect. Um, yes. So, oh my gosh, there are so many. So things. you don't remember it off by heart then? <laughs> no, I, I actually, I do, but I do, I, I know that there's um, so many little bits and pieces that I've fit into this one. Uh, I do remember that the character at the very bottom is basically me mm -hmm. um, dreaming out this whole world. And, and that's kind of where it all started. Oh, I, gu I guess that's when I looked at it. And then I saw the name Kaya. Is that uh, yes. your and that, daughter? That's my daughter's name. Yeah. Yes, um, I guessed. So I, I like to, like I said, I like to kind of fit personal things into the into the work, especially the personal projects. Mm. Um, I like to hide as many little bits and pieces from my personal life in there as possible. <laughs> so Dan, do you um, do you sketch first and then take it to what what is it, what which tools do you use to create? Yeah, you know, I, I started out always working in on a in a sketchbook at a coffee shop. It has now changed to the iPad um, with Procreate. And it, that has just absolutely changed my world and my life. Um, I can't thank that program enough for existing. <laughs> um, so yeah, I do everything through that. I do the sketch work in Procreate. I do the inking and the coloring. Uh, then I will actually transfer the final file um, over to uh, Adobe Photoshop usually to do all the finishing touches, gradients, things like that, and um, get the right textures and everything else to complete the piece. But 
I would say 90% of it is, is all done in Procreate. Right. So did you self-teach yourself um, how to use that? And was it quite a natural, natural process for you? Yeah, I, I actually did um, self-teach myself. Um, I watched a bit of a um, couple videos on Skillshare, um, which is a great place to, to find, you know, creative um, tutorials. And, uh, but, but mostly just kind of played around with it. And then the funny thing is, is now my four-year-old, it is so intuitive that even him, he's able to play around on there. And he has discovered brushes and textures and techniques that I didn't even know existed in the program. That just goes to show you this next generation, how they're gonna be with technology. But um, I've literally like stolen ideas from my own four-year-old because I've said, wow, that's beautiful what you just did. Now I know to use that brush. <laughs> it's really, it looks awesome. So it, it's pretty cool that, you know, <laughs> for, if a four-year-old can do it. Yeah, amazing. For so Dan, I want to finish off. Actually, you've given so much advice throughout this whole whole uh, uh, chat uh, to yeah. for young illustrators. Um, and you've got a really nice um, image that you sent me about your kind of uh, your creative inspirations. Um, perhaps maybe you can just talk about about a few really like let's say that you're stuck for ideas. I don't yeah. know if that happens to you. Um, how how do you uh, tackle that? Um, well, that goes right again to um, what I've learned through meditation and mm -hmm. through getting outside, getting into nature, uh, getting away from actually sitting in front of the computer screen and trying to, you know, bang my head against it to come up with the idea. It seems to be that the idea will pop into my head when I'm doing the most mundane thing, whether it's taking a shower, doing the dishes, you know, trying to get the kids to bed. Sometimes I'm laying in bed with my son waiting for him to fall asleep so I can leave the room. And in my head, oh, I got the idea, that's it, there it is. Um, so I, I think a, a lot of people who think that they have to come up with that idea at that very moment, mm -hmm. it's too much pressure to put on yourself. Mm -hmm. Sometimes if it's just not coming to you right away, it's best to just step away for a minute, go mm -hmm. breathe some fresh air, um, and then it somehow just works itself out. The universe somehow finds a way to, to get the ideas to you, um, especially when you're passionate about it and you care about it and it's something that you love. I, th I think the universe works with you to, to help you, you know, conquer and come out on the other side with, with something that you're proud of and, and happy to share with the world. So, you know, I, I hope that that continues for me and, you know, I hope that happens for other people as well, because I think, you know, we're all in this together and I don't look at any of this as competition. It's, it's all, you know, I love talking to other illustrators and, and getting advice from them and vice versa. And, you know, we're all just trying to create awesome work and help people smile a little more every day in the end, right? Yeah, that, that's a lovely um, way to end, Dan. And, and you, definitely, you definitely do make people smile with your work and, and I even and through this conversation as well. So okay. it's, been, it's been a really a pleasure talking to you. So it's thank you so much. Well. No, thank you so much. I appreciate it. And um, I, I hope we can collaborate again soon too because you guys do so much beautiful, imaginative, brilliant work uh, as well. I always, I always think... If there was one magazine I would want to create on my own, you guys have done it. Like it's, it's IA magazine. It's, it's so beautiful and 
fun to look at. And you work with a lot of the people that I look up to as well, um, other illustrators that I just love to, to see online and everything. So keep up that great work too. So thank you, Dan. Thank yeah. you so much. Absolutely. Well, 